like talking about holidays or is that boring or what well, holidays aren't any more boring than <coughs> watching the Colts play football. True. <laughs> at least, at least <laughs> in the holidays, you, you know, there's positive things. Well, he's at a different, so your kids are younger than mine yeah. for sure. And for the most part, younger than Joe's, um, you guys have any funky or cool holiday traditions or things that obviously they're looking forward to? Um, well, we actually, we go down to the beach every year. Okay. So we actually, I think they've only had maybe one white Christmas because we're always down in Florida. Okay. It's not a bad so, thing. No. <laughs> no <laughs> I mean, that's how nice. I've always grown up. We, we always went away for Christmas, so okay. we never really did the whole, you know, Christmas tradition at home. We were always on a cruise or we were doing something, you know, a club med or whatever we were doing. Right. And so we're trying to, we kind of keep that same tradition, I guess, going on with our kids right. is we go down to Florida. My parents have a condo down there. And so that's our one time of the year to actually unplug and right. get the kids, you know, uh, get a little bit of sunshine. <laughs> Do you guys stay Sounds down nice. through New Year's or just typically the Christmas week? It depends each year. Yeah. Um, most of the time we, we do stay down there for, for the New Year's as yeah. well. Um, but We've come back in years past too. It all depends because we still do like a Christmas party up here, sure, with the actual family. Yeah. Um, but it's nice just to kind of get down and just take that break. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds nice. Yeah. Well, sunshine <laughs> would be good right now. Yeah. What about you guys? Uh, we're not going anywhere. We'll be here the whole time. No, I meant. Uh, do you have any traditions? Uh, not really. It just depends on the family. Like, so we rotate holidays. So. If it's a you know Todd family Thanksgiving, it'll be my wife's family Christmas, and then it flops the okay. next year. So it just depends on which side we're doing as to what kind of the, the traditional aspects are. Uh-huh. Um, Todd family doesn't really have necessarily too many Christmas or uh, traditions other than eggs um, Benedict. Well, holiday yeah. Sauce. So we'll <laughs> typically do indiv- individual family stuff that morning or whatever, but um, then I'll get together, let's say at our parents' house, and then have brunch there and yeah. And do uh, you know Santa type stuff there? Right. Um, so that's about the extent of it. Um, Joe always likes to do some you know bobbing for apples for some reason. I don't know why, but um, that's his little tradition. We don't really try to follow that. But no comment. <laughs> With or without mistletoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, di- it's different these days. We are three kids, and they're almost two of them are teenagers. The third is twelve. So mm. you know, there's the whole like. Santa stuff has kind of been outgrown. Uh-huh. Um, Except for Elf on the Shelf, that that stayed alive. No, <laughs> that's the the Elf has been murdered. That's the tradition <laughs> that I'm so glad does not exist. Because having to like you get in bed and you're half asleep and you go, oh, I gotta go move the Elf. I hated uh, that. Um, there, there will, well, not to spoil anything, but there may be a resurgence or an appearance of a new version of that this year. That also scares me. Um, <laughs> and then you, you know, teenagers, what they, like, they don't want anything, right? Yeah. They don't want toys. They've outgrown toys. They, if they need clothes, you buy them clothes throughout the year because they only fit for about two months before they outgrow them. So yeah. uh, it's more just kind of uh, hang with family and enjoying some <clears throat> quiet time, really. So we got like, because now my oldest son is 10. So he still gets excited about Christmas, but he's starting to get to that. He sees his cousins that are a little bit older and, you know, so he's less, you know, inclined about getting excited about Santa and stuff. Yeah. My two youngest, um, believe it or not, my, my oldest told him that Santa wasn't real. So my five-year-old's like, 
you just buy me all my gifts. So here's my list this year. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So that, that portion of it is, is kind of already done for us, but it is like my, my five-year-old loves Christmas. So he's like my wife. They, they already right after the day after Thanksgiving, they were up, put, we put the tree up, he's decorating it all. All the balls were in one spot. So we had to, <laughs> we had to get him to move a couple of them a little around. Yeah. But I mean, I, he had a blast. So I mean, it was just basically my two, my two other ones were playing football downstairs and it was me, my wife and my youngest son, Noah, yeah. decorating the tree. And he pretty much did it all, which was actually pretty fun. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've not yeah. done our tree yet. Better get on it. Uh, I don't know. You got yours up, Joe? Always the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's what we do. Now, if you go through the process of getting it all up, like I want to enjoy it for a while, you know? Yeah. And we, two years ago, I think it was, we went from real tree to fake tree, which was hard because I always liked a real tree, but uh -huh. I, I don't miss the needle drop and like vacuuming every single day or watering it and yeah. know, the dog going in and drinking the water. Or scratching you know, the <laughs> shit out of the door, pulling it out of the house. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So a little bit easier these days to just throw it up and pull it back down. Yeah, we've considered that. We still do the live tree. So we haven't we haven't quite crossed over yet. Yeah, yeah. I think it's easy. I could see you it. travel out of town. <clears throat> the fake tree is easy because you can just leave it up and not have to worry about you yeah. know, what's going to happen when you come home. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, you guys enjoy your beach time uh, down in Florida over the holidays. Um, send us a picture or two for yeah. those of us that are here. We'll see, up see in what, the cold. <laughs> yeah, see if it's snowing or if it's sixty degrees. Who knows? That's that's happened before. We thought we were leaving. There was one year where we thought we were. You know, it was. It was cold like two weeks before, and then right around Christmas, all of a sudden it was one of those like it's 60 degrees, and we go down to Florida, and it was like 60 degrees. I thought, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a couple years like that. It's always right. hit or miss this time of year, like because we're right in Cocoa Beach. So it's it can be really warm, or it can be kind of cold. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know. Hopefully we'll get lucky this year. Well, with global warming, I'm sure we'll be. It'll probably be all right. Yeah. Yeah. 80s and sunshine works. Yeah, that works for me. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening from wherever you get your podcasts or checking us out on the Assessor YouTube channel. Um, today's guest is Mr. DC Clark, um, hailing from Pittsburgh, PA. Welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our uh, viewers and listeners? Um, I'm DC Clark. Um, I have... Uh, Born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Had a little stint out in California in my early twenties. Um, probably wasn't bad. No, it was. That was the time, time to do of it. Your life. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was nice. I mean, I I grew up uh, a worker bee, working for my dad's business, which was in the floor distribution company. Um, so I've always been kind of tied around uh, the distribution aspect of business. Um, but then I had to, you know, I had a small stint in my life where I wanted to kind of get into film and television. And so uh, right after college, moved out to Los Angeles, spent about six or seven years out there, um, 
working in film and television. I worked for a boutique production company that did a lot of outdoor advertising. Um, So they handled a lot of like all the content and all the signs in Times Square. We used to do a bunch of live events for companies in Las Vegas and up in San Francisco and stuff like that. So I got um, a lot of experience and a lot of like, I got a chance to really learn a lot in uh, a whole nother sector of business, which a lot of that I actually end up tying into to what I'm doing today. Um, But then, you know, I met my wife actually out in California and we decided to we wanted to have a family back out east. That's kind of where I, I grew up. That's where we wanted to raise our family. So right around that time, um, you know, I hung up the hat on entertainment and we opened up and, and kind of bought into Clark Deco and then turned that into from a little mom pop hardware store into a uh, coding distribution company. Um, <clears throat> so then spent the last decade building that company up, which led us to uh, the exciting news of of uh, joining with the team Assessa. When you came, sorry, Clark Deco already existed, right? When you were out in California? It did. So my dad had um, his flooring company, which was called Clark Flooring Solutions. Um, He had that, he opened that in 1980. And then there was a company called Decorative Moldings, and that was going out of business back in like 1987, 88. And so he kind of acquired a lot of their assets, some key, employees and then there was another man who who was uh kind of running that but it was more of like selling knobs and pulls and and smaller hardware items mm-hmm. and that kind of was its niche for a little while as like the you know it used to supply a lot of like the the um hardware stores but when home depot and lowe's really kind of exploded onto the scene yeah. put a lot of those out of business then clark deco kind of morphed into just supplying cabinet shops mm-hmm. um they never really did a whole lot into coatings. They did a little bit of wood touch up and repair, but I naturally have, I kind of gravitate towards coatings and I used to refinish uh, antique furniture. And so then that really got me into it even more. And then we started doing some research on different coating lines and I started traveling around actually the country, um, just calling up random distributors. And if they would you know, meet with me, I'd go see them and just kind of see, you know, how they ran their business, what coatings they were using, and that's kind of how I got introduced to the uh, the Becker-Chroma line. And then, you know, from there, we just started to expand and grow significantly into coatings and kind of, we never left our roots of hardware. Um, we still actually carry a lot of those lines um, that, that we have for the last 20 years, but we obviously have really kind of uh, shifted into the coding world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Becker Chroma now a Chroma Pro was the first main coatings line to really push you into that direction. Correct. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess tell us how how that has evolved. I mean, I, I know the story, but our listeners don't. I mean, when you got into the coatings world, it's obviously a little, a little different than the hardware side. Um, were you primarily just serving that greater Pittsburgh area, or how how has that evolved? And and uh, maybe fill us in on on kind of where Clark Deco has been, let's say the last five years. Yeah. So there was a long, like pretty large learning curve, you know, going from refinishing furniture, which is, you know, I'm kind of using products and stuff then into actually um, learning how to tech, you know, full automated lines and guys that are spraying in the winter versus summer versus what all the different technologies that people are spraying and Mm -hmm. just trying to go through that learning curve. Uh, not really coming from the the coding background, 
was fairly extensive, but like I said, I actually had a, a pretty big interest in there. <clears throat> so I spent a lot of time with uh, the chemists of, of the different vendors that we actually carry, always picking their brain. Um, I used to learn a lot from uh, our customers as well as they're, as they're you know, going through a problem and we're learning together. Um, but that really kind of put us on the map. We kind of serviced just the, the greater Pittsburgh area um, and then slowly just started kind of going outside of Pittsburgh and, and moving a little bit into Ohio, which became like a, a decent area for us um, outside of Cleveland area. Um, we did a lot of business up there. And then just through word of mouth, when you start doing why I actually move towards coatings is because you can really build more of that relationship versus, you know, selling the same knob or the same pull with yeah. coatings. You know, you're really getting to know the finishers. You're getting to know the owners. You're you're taking on more of that, um, more of a role of a consultant to really help them in their business. And that's what really attracted me to it. Right. Um, and then as that starts to, you know, as you, you naturally you start to develop a little bit of a reputation for that. And our color matching was uh, superb. And so that just, you know, you know, people would just kind of recommend us to another friend who might be struggling. And then it just kept growing and growing. And then uh, we started to do a lot more business outside of Pittsburgh. And so then that led us into like the kind of next phase of Clark Deco. And we started to um, utilize social media a little bit more and the word of mouth just kept getting out there. And, uh, you know, when it was all said and done, we we started to ship all over the, the U.S. There's a there's a launching point from, say, Pittsburgh and Western PA and, and portions of Ohio. How does that market compare to when you say you're shipping across the U.S.? What do those end users look like or how do they differ? More for like our local cabinet shops and stuff. They're still um, using solvent-based products. Um, as we started to ship more outside of Pennsylvania, um, we started to get into more of like the painter's contractor's market. Uh, and they're already into water-based coatings, and so they naturally wanted to stay in water-based. And so that was actually very fortunate for us as a company because as, you know, our industry continues to grow um, and, and move forward, there's been a lot more interest in water-based. And so a lot of guys still like that, that have traditional cabinet shops. Um, they've been kind of shying away from it from old technologies that just kind of failed. So they just had a bad taste in their mouth. Mm -hmm. So now as, as people are starting to, you know, get a little, hear a little bit more about it, we've now have several years of working with other painting contractors that that's naturally what they gravitate towards. Yeah. So now we've got years of experience already selling the water-based material that we can then come back and help another niche of our business, which is, you know, the cabinet shops and the, the millwork shops and stuff like that, that are starting to explore into those types of technologies. Yeah. Right. I know we've talked about this already, but I mean, you're, you're definitely starting to see that trend of traditional OEMs moving in the direction of water, either the customers are starting to request it, so they're pushing back on the manufacturer or they happen to be located in a municipality that has you know, much more stringent environmental regulations um, or they just want to do it for the, the welfare of their employees and, yeah. and just kind of be more on the leading edge. Um, what would you say the biggest challenges are right now um, as, as we start to migrate um, traditional OEMs to water-based, what are, what are the, the biggest, um, not bottlenecks, but challenges to, to get them converted over? Um, I think just 
having an open-mindedness to um, learn a little bit of a new technology because, yeah. you know, it's not just I spray pre-cat lac or I spray conversion varnish and I'm just going to plug a water base in and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to troubleshoot it the same way or my environmental conditions, I can keep them the same way. You know, yeah. I mean, that's been a big challenge for us um, as some people have wanted to explore water-based is, you know, making sure that, um, you know, your, your ambient temperature's up, your humidity levels are up, uh, making some small adjustments on your pressures, your tip sizes, or the, even the, the application uh, equipment that we're using. Um, making those types of investments, number one, and then also those adjustments to, to changing your old mindset on, on how that's wor- gonna work and then to modify your workflow. Um, you know, once somebody has the buy-in and they're saying, I'm going water-based and help us you know, achieve, you know, the, the same quality, which you could still now, you can get the same quality from solvent to water now. It's a matter of, okay, now how do I take this old way and do it with water-based? Yeah. And that's where we've really been able to kind of come through uh, with a lot of our accounts now is say, okay, you're ready, let's let's start that path. And I think that, that that's really added a lot of value um, in helping build our, our relationships with customers as they know that they can rely on us when they are ready to make those those steps and changes. Right. Yeah. Have you noticed that several, instead of just jumping all in and going straight from solvent to water, um, want to kind of phase it. And so developing a, a, a program that's best for them on how to do that, whether it's they just start with the stains or on the paint side, they said, you know what, just go with the water-based primer first that you can still put solvent over the top. Let's get that ironed out, feel mm-hmm. comfortable there before moving to the next phase. Yeah, I do see that. Um, it, I, I think it depends on the customer. It depends on the size of the customer too. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, um, you know, one man, two man cabinet shops. A lot of times they're just let's just go all in. Just show me what I got to do. Um, painting contractors. A lot of those guys are already in the water, so they're just they're just naturally going. They're just testing which one's going to be the right fit for them. As we get into some of the larger OEM type of, of accounts, I do see that that's where it's like, okay, well, we need to bring our VOCs down, but we need a universal water based primer that we can still use our our CV top coats on, mm-hmm. um, and then stains for sure because uh, you can get some pretty bright, vibrant colors out of water based stains. So a lot of I would say over the last two years, uh, we've seen a big shift into a lot more water-based stains um, than I have in the past. Right. Yeah, it, it seems like a lot of the manufacturers out there could almost use the tagline with today's technology of waterborne, like it's not your father's waterborne or not your grandfather's waterborne. <laughs> like it just the technology has come so far. And to your point, you made the comment that someone had a bad experience in the past, where you know or some of the original water-based technology. I don't mean like original original but you know 20 25 years ago wasn't very good uh-huh. um, it either didn't have a good look or it wasn't user friendly in a manufacturing environment today's is a complete 180 from that um, it, to the point where it seems like probably most of the battle of getting someone to shift from a solvent-based technology to water based is just getting them to get out of their own way yeah and it have, they have, they've got like you said they've got to have the mind shift to say okay i'm willing to make this happen making some process changes is fairly easy making some equipment changes is fairly easy it's just that mental shift of okay i've, I've got to be in on this uh, because it can be very successful yeah and i think that it's it's really just making sure it, it's it really comes down to communication and i think that that's big for relationships water-based solvent-based whatever is having that trust factor um 
that your customer has with their supplier, knowing that, okay, if I'm going to go down this path, you've got my back and you know how to help us. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always been extremely honest to my customers as far as, you know, if I don't think something's going to work, you know, I let them know that this is why I don't think it's going to work and we need to make a change. And, you know, we need to make sure that you have the buy-in because I want you to be successful. And so having that just direct honesty, I think at the end, at the end, the customer appreciates that because ultimately our goal is to make you successful. And I think once they have that comfort level, um, it makes that whole process and transition much easier. Even if it's something yeah. they didn't want to hear. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just got to say it or, you know. I mean, a true partner, you know, as we, we kind of have really positioned ourselves to say we're not just a, a coatings distributor, right? That's sort of like what we do on the side. Our main business is being a consultant. Yep. And if you truly want us to be your partner, we're going to have to tell you things that you don't want to hear if it's the things that you need to hear. That's, right. that's the hard part, but. You yeah, know, that's that's our ultimately that's our job. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yep. So October of this year, um, Clark Deco has become uh, a member of the Assessa family. So we uh, we certainly appreciate um, that new relationship uh, with you guys. I think one of the things that well, there's a, a variety of things that obviously a- attracted the two companies to one another, but I think outside of the obvious geography re- or geographical relationship. Um, just your mindset and how you want to go to market and your vision and whatnot um, seem like a natural fit as well. Um, without going to a ton of strategic detail, um, where, where do you see the next phase of, of Clark Deco or the next phase of the, the, that new portion of Assessa going? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> taking a step back, you know, um, I think that part of what you were saying earlier, Joe, about being more of a consultant, that's always been like a mindset for, for Clark Deco too, is us coming alongside and being a partner. We don't want to just sell you a can of paint. We want to be your partner and help you grow and be successful. Um, and so as we continue to grow as a company, um, there's naturally certain, uh, areas of, you know, growing pains. And I know, you know, we've known each other for years now, and, you know, I remember us just kind of talking about our growth strategies and ultimate what our core values are and how we see our, our relationships with customers. And I think it was just like a very nice strategic kind of partnership for us to kind of come together and further enhance um, our ideas on how we want to be that partner to all of our customers across all the different niches that we kind of touch in. Um, so I think that there's a lot of amazing things that I know that we've already kind of internally discussed as far as what we want to uh, bring to the table. And a lot of the ideas that you guys had, a lot of the ideas that I have, and then coming together to kind of fine tune them to really be um, advantageous to our to our industry. Um, I think through this partnership, um, and what really helped attract me to it is ultimately my goal is, is to elevate all of our customers. And we can do that a lot faster together and, you know, sometimes you just got to cut pride and ego away and say what's best for uh, the company and overall what's best for our customers. Um, and so that's that was a driving factor for me in, in you know, making the decision to, to join uh, the Assessor family. And so I'm excited now, you know, um, as we continue to talk more, for, you know, talk further about our ideas and what we want to have come to the table. Um, I think that our customers, uh, small and large, are going to have um, 
there's going to be something for everybody. And, and I think that people, you know, as we start to phase them out over 2023 and 2024, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to be really exciting to see a lot of that kind of stuff unfold. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, what's to come is exciting. Obviously there's a ton of hard work for all of us to put in, to present this to the marketplace. Um, and to try to, as you said, you know, it's kind of a careful balance is the being something for everyone, but also not trying to be everything to everyone. Right. We really want to make sure that we stick to that consulting aspect. And Oh, by the way, we also sell coatings and here are all of our options. And that's why we have such a diverse array of options. Um, but one thing that you know, kind of looking back over the last year and learning more um, about that, especially that professional contractor market and the products that are being sold that are, are water-based products, what's intriguing to me is that if you look at that, that, that market and what you could take to them, they're using, I mean, what you've, what, what Clark Deco and ultimately Assessa is providing to that market and will continue to do so, continue to grow, are actually OEM level products. I mean, those are very high end industrial use. You know, you're not gonna throw it on your living room walls. Like this is, there's a really high end, high quality coating. So I thought that was really intriguing, but that's sort of the, that's the foundation, right? Yeah. From a technology and a product standpoint, that's the foundation that we get to build on, which is, you know, outside of the aspect of going to market, that's really exciting, uh, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's it's bringing something that you know was before almost behind closed doors that people just didn't realize existed, and then when we're opening that door up now and actually able to expand that to everyone, um, it has really kind of taken off like wildfire, really, because mm-hmm. um, people could see the quality. They're now able to produce, um, you know high high-end cabinet you know level finishing and they're they're doing it on site mm-hmm. and it's really uh quite amazing to see some of the work that some of our customers have produced and you know i've started to try and highlight some of that stuff like on our social media pages just some of the work is just amazing it's it looks like it's well i mean they are they're world-class finishers and now they're getting the products that they need mm-hmm. to you know continue to enhance their skill set Right. Um, yeah. The product had to catch up to their ability. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The seal set was there. We just needed to get the products to them. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's something that's really come a long way, especially over the last two or three years. Um, there's been drastic changes uh, to the industry, I think. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's, I, some of the people that uh, are customers who are also prominent on social media, I'll leave them nameless, but just watching some of their videos and their work, it's, I mean, it's astounding. It's really awesome to see. As, yeah. as paint guys, I mean, you know, the, the, the non-paint listener probably thinks this sounds like terribly boring. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> but it's a, a paint nerds like us. It's actually really exciting to see oh, the yeah. looks and the finishes that these, these folks can create. Yeah, I'm actually working with a customer right now who is, you know, uh, he, I've seen him over the last two years just like double his size of business just by what he's now you know, able to offer and he's doing slab tables now and he's doing high, you know, high gloss polyester finishes. Mm-hmm. And you go back two, three years ago, you know, they were using just 
retail type products yeah, like portable epoxies and, so, and <laughs> yeah other things that ultimately make it look like plastic yeah absolutely and yeah. i mean just that you know and, then, and that kind of goes back to i mean that relationship aspect because then they, they trust us and then we're right. recommending the right products for them and then making sure we're backing it up with that training and consultation to this is how you want to use it but at the end of the day it's them producing it and the results have been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, You're providing them the confidence to go down that path. Whereas a few years ago, they might've said, you know what? I don't know enough about it. I'm not going there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we've spent a good portion of the last couple of days kind of talking about and planning for 2023. Um, we, we ask a lot of people this when no one's crystal ball is perfect, obviously, but what's your crystal ball tell you about 2023 at this point? Well, I mean, everybody's all already talking about recession, but I look at um, that as, you know, just like anything else in, in life, you go through challenges and that actually builds character. And I think it's the same thing when you look at your company. So, I mean, obviously we've all had internal discussions on how we want to prepare, but at the same time, whatever challenges 2023 has or may throw at us, it's just going to end up making us stronger as a company because we're going to find areas where, hey, we can come alongside our partners in this way. So sometimes it forces you to, to look internally and look externally and say, where can we improve and where can we come in alongside of our customers and actually be a better partner? And sometimes when things are just going, you know, like crazy, you just oversee all that stuff and you, and you don't, you, you miss it. And so 2023, I'm actually staying fairly optimistic. That's just my general demeanor. Um, so I'm hoping that things continue down that, that positive path. But if in the, in the case that things do kind of tail off a little bit, then that just opens up the opportunity for us to say, okay, um, talk, open communication up with our customers and say, hey, where are you guys struggling? And is there areas for us to come in and kind of help you guys out? Um, and then that's going to further enhance our partnership, but also make everybody, you know, stronger. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Chuck, Chuck Pagano. Pagano. <laughs> wow. Welcome, Chuck. And the Colts do come up in conversation. <laughs> Congratulations, Steelers fans. Oh, you won quite possibly the most boring NFL game of the 2022 It was exciting season. for me last night. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sitting next to a bunch of Colt fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I would say that there were, it seemed like uh, there were a whole lot of yellow towels waving in the air last night. There was a lot more than I would have expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of Colts fans probably sold their tickets and said, "We can sit at home, watch the first half on our couch, and then after we watch the Colts score maybe three points the entire game, we'll just go to bed." <laughs> yeah. Although that scoring was, I mean, just getting a first down was a heck of an accomplishment, but. I digress. <laughs> what questions do you have for us? Um, my questions for you guys is, you know, uh, especially the last, uh, you know, two months or so working with Clark Deco, um, seeing some of the different niches that we're into, what excites you about 2023 and, and the partnership that now we have together um, and what you guys see for the future? Um, I mean, I, for me, I would say, I mean, once we can get through the, the initial integration stage, which, um, you know, always presents its, its levels of challenges, um, it's, it's kind of kind of getting that ball rolling, um, both in terms of not just getting the company integrated from a, you know, a system standpoint or what have you and processes, but also then um, 
you, you've got the employees to to um, I don't want to say win over, but to to really get them fully brought on board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a challenging time. It can be very stressful at, at certain times, especially if things don't go you know according to plan. Which is always going to be something that, that doesn't go as smoothly as you'd like. Um, so I think once we get over that hump, um, I'm excited about then you know pressing forward on on our plans um, and, and seeing how those come to fruition. Even if it's just as simple as we continue the traditional business that we that both companies were already doing, but seeing how that flourishes on its own, mm-hmm. um, I think we've already seen a few sparks of that um, going out in the field. Uh, you and I and, and Kevin and some of the others, um, and talking to some of the customers. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunity just mm-hmm. in the the existing market, shall we yeah, say? Yeah. Let alone some of the new stuff we want to do. So that part excites me. Um, I think you and I also share a um, aggressiveness that is probably going to drive him a little bit nuts. Um, but it, uh, I don't know, it's it, it's cool to see what the what the what the options uh, for the horizon are because I think yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there now. It's just a matter of um, uh, categorizing it and seeing what makes the most sense to go after. Yeah. Yeah, it really, Vince took the, sort of took the words out of my mouth. Um, you know, twenty twenty three. I'm excited on the front end to continue focusing on integration and getting a lot of that dust to settle, uh, so that we could start working on you know the fun stuff. And there's a lot of really big, meaty stuff, projects, uh, growth opportunities, things that we've talked about. You know, uh, as we were started off our initial conversation of getting, you know, to know each other better in terms of from a business strategy standpoint and what we solve for the future, um, that I'm just, I'm excited to get to working on that because that's yeah. the fun stuff. Uh, but we can't get there until we, you know, really kind of get the operational side settled in and it's making massive progress. And it's like, you know, we've, we've, we've accomplished a lot from that aspect and there's a lot more to accomplish. Um, and the hardest part is just, staying patient and staying mm-hmm. the course because it is a, you know, it's a day by day, week by week process. Um, but there will be a point sooner than later in 2023 where we're like, okay, this is, this is feeling good here. Let's start working on that really, that, you know, juicy meaty stuff. That's, that's fun to work on. And that's what I'm excited yeah. about. And I, and I share your optimism. Uh, maybe I'm cautiously optimistic that, yeah, there's, there's recession, the technical term, uh, and then there's recession sort of more the, kind of a figurative term that people sometimes use. Um, I don't know what we'll see yet. I think mm-hmm. we'll be a lot smarter as we get into the first, you know, through the first quarter of what the economic outlook's going to look like for that, for the calendar year of 23. Um, I definitely think we're already seeing some correction in some areas as we've discussed sort of off air or offline. Um, and I think we'll still continue to see correction in various places. I just don't know at this point that it's going to be, there's going to be a terrible amount of overcorrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some correction is due. I mean, it's just the natural economic cycle, and probably in some ways, some correction is desired. Yeah. Because you said, as you said a little bit ago, sometimes you're just so busy. You're, it's like our, it's like some of our manufacturer partners. They're so busy that all they care about is all they can focus on. I should say, is throughput because mm-hmm. they've got so many orders. They just got to get stuff out the door. When things can pull back a little bit, and you can get back to maybe just call it some level of normalcy. It allows them to have time to improve some of their challenges. Allows us to have time to work with them on improving their challenges, which is also the fun part. Yeah. So I, I think 
there may be some, there, if, if there's some correction in 23, which I expect there to be, but the bright side to that is we can kind of get back to doing a little bit more of our job on, on the ground kind of stuff. Right. Less putting out fires, just trying to keep things going and more actually working on everything to make everybody better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. And I would say to, to your point earlier too, Vince, um, you know, the patience aspect of, you know, working through the initial integration, I got to say that, that our customers have been fantastic in that because they knew that this process was going through and there's always going to be a couple little hurdles or little hiccups and stuff like that. And a lot of the feedback that I've gotten, because we have developed those relationships with a lot of our customers, I think that it's worth saying that they've been fantastic through this process. Um, Their level of trust that they've shown in us to say, hey, we're here to support you. A lot of times I'll get phone calls and they're, they're literally like, hey, how are you doing? And it's like, I'm, I'm supposed to be asking you, how are you doing through all this? Or do you, right. is there any problems or right. anything I need to look at? But, you know, that that's what ultimately, you know, keeps me excited about our industry is those relationships that we've actually um, developed that, th- you know, our customers are rooting for us because they also see the benefit that's going to come down, you know, to help them ultimately as well. So I just wanted to make sure that I said that as well, because they've been fantastic through this process yes, and sir. the patience and helping us uh, along, along through it all as well. And I feel like 60 days now in, um, like you said earlier, we've made a lot of progress. Uh, we still have some work to do, but you know, once that dust does finally settle, um, then we can really get into a lot of what we talked about earlier, a lot of the great things and programs that we have coming down the pipeline, which that really gets me starting to get yeah. excited. And I want to <laughs> get in there and start talking about it. And exactly, you know, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. No, I we I think we've seen the customer response and wholeheartedly agree that the, the 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 trust and the patience and the faith that they've given to us jointly in this process has been phenomenal. It's been relieving. I mean, you're working so hard, um, and you know, and a lot of hours, and to have that feedback is, it's it's really touching. I mean, it truly is appreciated. And it's very touching. Uh, we, I think as a team, especially the, the, the folks on the ground in Pittsburgh have done an awesome job of problem solving so that the, with the goal that the customer doesn't feel it, mm-hmm. right? If we're having some internal challenges because something is new or we're going through a learning process that the customer doesn't feel that learning process. Right. Um, and you know, whether, whether it's Pittsburgh that's going through integration or any other facility that maybe has been doing the same thing for years and it just seems like it, it's a well-oiled machine, the fact of the matter is we're all human, right? And we're going to make mistakes. It's not, hey, can we be perfect and never make a mistake? It's when we do make that mistake, how do we handle it? Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we're, we're holding up our end of the bargain of saying, okay, we made a mistake, but let's just, let's just focus on fixing it and taking care of the customer. And it's like I said in some meetings yesterday, and I like, this is kind of a saying I like to around is you're never going to bat a thousand, but you sure you can sure as heck try. Right. And yeah. we're going to try to bat a thousand. And mm-hmm. if we can, if we can be really close, then we're going to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because I mean, that is, that's one of the things, you know, when I'm getting phone calls from customers and stuff talking about it is, Hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, your team is doing fantastic. And so just throughout that process of everything new, cause we kind of just, we did. We ripped off the Band-Aid. It was October 3rd. Let's go at it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of changes for, for people that have been working for a couple years. And, you know, they've they've got their kind of workflow. And this is how we do it. And now we're changing it up. 
And so, you know, the um, former Clark Deco team has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I'm really proud of all of them. And, you know, we I'm happy that everybody kind of stuck with it and, and stayed with us. And we're all looking forward to the future. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it all. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, again, welcome to Team Asasa. Thank uh, you. We're, we're excited. Uh, looking forward to what this all brings uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Thanks to all you guys for tuning in on this episode of the Industrious Podcast. So wherever you get your podcasts or if you're watching this on the Assessor YouTube channel, thank you for tuning in. And don't forget, be industrious. Be industrious.